I even remember you being on a horse and you being like, future home of the Nordgren family. (laughs) (laughs) It did sound just like that. Future home of the Nordgren family. Such a sound bite. That is how it sounded like. There are some that I wonder, why is she trying out for this group? She cannot dance. What's she thinking? Gotta get that. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host, owner, founder of Be There in Five, the company, best known for inventing something called the Remind Doormat, a doormat that sees you on your way out of the house instead of a welcome mat that sees you on your way in. We uh, own the registered trademarks, all sorts of super common phrases like be there in five and turn off your straightener and turn off your curling iron and shoes off bitches. And we make all sorts of reminders, especially now lately, more custom mats. A lot of times for kids, a lot of times for teenagers, a lot of times for a forgetful adult like myself. Really, our goal is to help somebody who lives the be there in five lifestyle, like I'll be there in five minutes, but you're probably still in the shower. We want them to live their best life. So if their doormat has a list like, keys, phone, wallet, ID, lunch, or if it's like keys, phone, gym uniform, badge, or, you know, as for what's going on this week, don't forget your birth control and like, let's stock up ladies and perhaps, you know, start stashing some of that plan B because I didn't know we were living in a true nightmare utopia handmaid's tale. But if you want to hear about that, go to my other episode called You Don't Own Me because I did want to separate my one few and far between political statement from my other upbeat episodes. Because, you know, guys, it's tough. It's tough to balance. You want to keep things positive. You want to keep things breezy. But there is an a t- there's a time and a place for breezy. And, um, you know, just like I believe in the separation of church and state, I believe in the separation of pop culture and politics. So for you, I divided the episodes. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, I'm really excited because today I have a fun episode. I've been calling this my Under the Influencer series because, you know, let's be honest, I think it's catchy. And B, I like looking under the hood of what influencers are like off of Instagram. As Courtney mentions later, what you see of her life is such a small percentage that we project it out onto thinking we know people and thus our entire perception of their career is often skewed. And the further I get into this biz, especially with writing a influencer adjacent book, I've gotten to talk to a lot of influencers that I think have interesting stories that I think have played the game right, that I think have developed sustainable, profitable business models that are worth talking about. And I just love to like shoot the you know what. Actually, if you have kids in the car, there are some curse words in this episode, just a heads. Um, and yeah, under the influencer is all about just having like a more candid, casual, fun conversation with influencers that they, about stuff that they might feel like is too self-indulgent for their own channels. And that isn't as like, I don't know, scripted and cheesy and buzzwordy as like a create and cultivate conference. I just like to get them in a different light, split a bottle of wine and see what happens. So welcome to under the influencer with Courtney Kerr. I went to Dallas last week and recorded two fun podcasts. One was with Courtney Kerr, influencer, star of Most Eligible Dallas. Courtney loves Dallas. She hosted a morning show in Dallas, a radio show. She has an insanely successful blog with millions and millions and traffic where people go to get fashion and lifestyle, beauty, and mostly skincare inspiration. She's done an incredible job in really extending the spotlight and monetizing audience from what could have just been a flash in the pan from when her shows were airing 
but like she was kind of a pioneer in a sense that she realized before people were blogging and really using Instagram, like there's something here and I need to maximize it. And she's a genius for doing so. And I was interested to hear about how business like the way she runs currently her blog slash lifestyle website. It's kind of more of an online magazine. I was interested to hear about her reality TV experience, why she keeps her relationship out of the public eye, her thoughts on some Dallas housewives, and most of all, the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders making the team the unsung hero program of all of television. This is the only program I buy off iTunes. It costs me like a cool $24.99 a year, and I'm okay with it. Is it Mabe's the most sexist show on TV? Probably. But in in a weird way, it's so voluntary on behalf of the women I don't feel like they're genuinely oppressed. If you don't watch Dallas Cowboys cheerleader making the team, go to cmt.com, you know, get a friend's login or, you know, cough up the dough. It's really worth it. And just binge watch and be prepared to be delighted. There are makeover days where they, the girls sit in chairs and they're like, you're hideous. We're going to cut you a really harsh bang. And then the girl somehow looks worse, but then Kelly and Judy are like, you're a vision. And then it's really confusing. And the girl cries and everyone's like, she's so shallow. And it's like, well, actually, no, you just destroyed her look because you weren't doing what really looks good on her. You just had to even out the kick line because there's a heavy bang on the left. You need a heavy bang on the right. It's truly a tragedy when they take a girl who's like a natural toehead blonde and it really works for her and her vibe. And they make her like a fire Catherine Dennis redhead because they need to balance out the kick line. Makeovers are crazy. Telling them to lose weight is crazy. They go into their houses and like raid their fridges. And they're like, is this almond milk with vanilla? Like, are you on TLCR? Is this my 600 pound life? Do you ever think you're going to be a cheerleader with this almond milk with vanilla? And I'm like, oh my God, these people are monsters. It's interesting because the way they mask their intensity about diet and exercise is like, these girls are elite athletes. They must train. I'm like, "Eh, if you really felt that way, you would pay them more than $3,000 a season. Now, last year, Erica Wilkins a former very cute DCC cheerleader from 2014 to 2017 did sue the Dallas Cowboys, which bold, you know, most people are like so kind of despondently loyal to the team, but she was like wanted back. She wanted to be paid back for unpaid wages and overtime. And when you look at the breakdown of that suit, they they make about 3000 to 5,000 per season. They work over 40 hours a week, a full-time work week. They make $150 a game. That's like four quarters. And I don't, I don't know a ton about football, but I know that when I go to watch a game with somebody, I'm like, oh my God, that clock is like doing nothing. That, that is, that this is a time warp. It is not moving. Why are there so many timeouts? And the worst part is during all those breaks and timeouts is when they have to dance. And they live under these like insanely strict toddlers and tiara rules of how they have to look and how big their hair has to be. And well, they choose their look first and then um, they have to wear certain clothes and they get sent home if they don't wear the right clothes. And then they have all these weigh-ins and they have all their uniforms and their composite photos. And they just like sit behind the camera and they're like, yeah, she's not sexy. And then the girl that's not sexy, her entire position is compromised, even though her technique is fine. It, 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 it's like, uh, but the thing is, I'm saying this and like, I'm such a feminist and I would normally rage against this, but I'm saying it positively because like, this is what it is. And this is what the girls want. And even when Erica sued them, a lot of the girls were like, that's what we walked into. It, the values and the prestige. And it's like, what? No, you need to be fairly compensated. The, the players are making millions and millions of dollars, seven figures. And you're making $3,500 for working a full-time job on top of your other full-time job. 
to only be told to lose weight and to get a harsh bang? It's insanity. They need to be paid better. These girls are like, they're really nice and they're really earnest. And above all other reality programs, they're like, seem to be actual friends. And there's a true sisterhood that I support. And I just think we're, we're approaching an era where this show is just going to turn into like people quitting and raging and demanding more money and it, stuff, stuff's just going to go down because I really think that those, those sort of, that sort of currency of, of, of prestige and like, you're lucky to be here is something like late millennials and Gen Zers are not here for. It means nothing to them. Call it entitlement, call it a search for justice. But I just don't see young people putting on a skimpy outfit, being berated by that like boot camp dude, being told like they just look like they climbed out of a garbage can and, you know, prompted to ask if they've ever made it even past intermediate jazz and tap with that god awful technique by Kitty Carter. How Kitty Carter can judge anybody's looks is a true crime. I mean, Vitamin C called from the graduation song and she wants her hair back. I just... I can't handle people judging other people for the very crimes they're committing. Anyway, I love DCC so much I could go on and on, but I won't. I just, you know, I think that we all can identify with the dream of a job whose pay is lousy, the odds of, you know, getting anything in the entertainment industry afterwards are very small. They're banned from dating players, but the players are not banned from dating them because if they find out that they've fraternized with a player... The player doesn't get fired, just the cheerleader gets fired because that's how the world works. Everybody is so, so desperate to make that team. It is their dream. They cry. They just absolutely weep and beg as Kelly Finglass and Judy Trammell just absolutely berate them and tell them, you know, they're not worthy of this low-paying job. And only to say, thank you, ma'am. Thank you for the opportunity every single time. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity. Are you kidding me? Ugh. Oh, I have a few words for those two ladies, and by words, I mean I would probably apologize to them immediately when I met them for something I didn't don't even know what I did. I just assume, I, I, like I told Courtney, I just assume they're already disappointed in me, even though I don't know them. Oh, what a trip. The show will probably be back in August, I think. They're probably in training camp, like, right now. No spoilers, please. <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, in Dallas, I record with Courtney. She's a true delight, so beautiful, so nice. Uh, She's always been really supportive of me, which I have tons of respect for. It's like the big accounts tagging. You could get a lot of money or something in return for like tagging people and calling them out. And I'm always just so appreciative of people that do it anyway, because they like what you're doing or like your content. And um, I just have always thought Courtney was the most uh, businesslike and the really good at balancing it with personal and she's almost created this equity where people know her so well that she doesn't have to like overdo it on social media and people just like respect her input. I feel like she's an OG blogger with like, that's just doing things a little bit differently in that she has such a no BS attitude. It's, it's really worked in her favor because it hasn't gotten to her and people probably stop dishing it out as much because they know she's not interested. And she just has stuck to what she's good at, which is providing incredible beauty and lifestyle fashion skincare advice education and product recommendations along with just having a general curated space for incredible ideas and inspiration across the board and it's not easy to uh, parlay your 
like a brief career in reality TV into something productive and respectable afterward. I, a lot of housewives struggle with this. And it's hard to make something both profitable and sustainable, especially in such an unknown space. And she is just still killing it. And I'm proud of her. And she was so cool to talk to me. And we had a lot of fun. And I um, think I like scared her because she got there when I was. So I, the other podcast I recorded that will be up next week, maybe in two parts, is with Merritt Beck of Sussex Style Watch. And she has a blog called the style stripe and she's a big social media influencer and she's a diehard Meghan Markle fan. And we had the best like two and a half hour conversation about all things Markle and all things Royal. We talk about the firm, the wedding. We talk about the outfits, the tours, the bump cradling, the baby reveal. We talk about, we theorize and muse about what it means to be in her position. And we talk about the Markle family. I mean, it was just a very satisfying two and a half hours for, you know, a diehard Markle like myself. And, uh, it's just going to take me an eternity to edit. So, you know, give me a minute. And um, uh, anyway, so after following that, um, I don't drive. Like, I, c- I can. I have a license. I just don't like to. So I was Ubering around Dallas. And by the time I got to my hotel, Courtney had already gotten there. And I went upstairs and my the hotel, like, the room wasn't cleaned. And granted, we were in, like, a suite that was kind of, like, separate from the room. But she could, like, see my clothes on the floor and, like, my makeup was all over the counter. So I was like, hi, nice to meet you. How are you? I'm Kate. I'm really fun. I'm really breezy. I'm totally relaxed. Normally I'm, like, awesome. But, like, let me just go clean the chunks of bronzer off of the sink really fast. And um, I was just kind of, like, tornadoing. And then I – because I just wanted to get it all done and then, like, sit down and relax. But you know how when you just are, like, flustered and you have trouble backing down? I don't know. I'm sure she thought I was, like, a literal maniac. But I, I thought we had fun. We split a bottle of wine and uh, just had a great life chat. So anyway, I don't really know what's new with me. I just watched the premiere of Southern Charm. I mean, Let Craig So 2020 is my campaign. Um, I don't know. You know, Catherine, it, it, yeah, I, I want the best for her. She doesn't didn't seem well. I'm a little annoyed that Cameron was saying, like, She's not going to talk about Thomas negatively because she doesn't want to get sued. Like, speak up for your girl. Like, you have a daughter now. Come on. I mean, like, God, Thomas, I just really grinds my gears. I am disgusted. Bravo's giving Ashley airtime. I'm already irritated with Eliza Lomhouse. If you ever listen to Ronnie and Ben on Watch What Crappens, they like regularly bring up Eliza Lomhouse despite her only being on like the first season, which she must have been like legit 16 during. Um, Nomi seems well. I don't know. I feel like her, she's maybe overstating her relationship. We're going to see how that pans out. Chelsea is the definition of breezy. If I were a lot, no, if I were Greg's girlfriend, no, Austin's girlfriend of trap pop fame, uh, I would hate her. Not only are they both hairdressers, but also Chelsea is like the epitome of breezy. She's just so relaxed, so cool, such a natural beauty, so tan, great hair sun-kissed balayage in all the right places and she just really like it just is a strikes me as a person that like is effortful and intentional but also really doesn't care which is the best balance um austin and his girlfriend after seeing that like threesome video over it not interested uh, scumbag frat boy triggered and shep i don't i never know how to feel about him it doesn't look like this is going to be his best season he's like 40 now and um who else is there? Patricia, I don't know. Do you think she pays Michael, her butler? I'm concerned about his well-being. Apparently Whitney and Catherine are hooking up, which is so confusing to me. Whitney, to me, is very much kind of like a Jordan on Summer House. Like, okay, yeah, you bang tons of chicks. Totally, we believe you. And, um, yeah, 
other than that, we'll see. I mean, Cam, you guys know I love Cameron and I've loved her since Real World San Diego and I loved her in the first few seasons of Southern Charm. But she went from being like, I'm eating chicken nuggets and I'm never going to sell y'all tummy tay to being like, all she does is sell me Vanity Planet like face brushes and like quip toothbrushes and like just a lot of brushes. And uh, she just made the switch without acknowledging it. And having watched the show now with her in a G wagon, but also saying she sold one house last year, I'm like, oh, you know, connecting the dots. Um, G wagons are funny. It's like this. I don't know. I, I'm not like a cars person. I just think it's like really funny to sit yourself in something and like trot around town being like, I'm loaded. You know, don't you want like your friends to like pick up the tab sometimes? Don't you like not want to let on that you're just rolling in that FU ovulation bracelet money? I don't know. It's hard to say. I guess this is kind of a long intro. It's like after 1030. I've had a long day. I'm annoyed by the Alabama thing. I recorded another podcast. I'm eating jello. I have some wisps, which are just like Parmesan crisps that are, you know, pretending to be crackers that a lot of people on keto eat. I'm like a little bit, I don't know. It's like, you know how they say like, I'm a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. I'm a little bit keto, a little bit pudding pack, you know, (laughs) it doesn't even rhyme. Just a heads up today's episode. Since we talked skincare, I hit up one of my favorite skincare places in Chicago, Innovative Med Spa in Lincoln Park. I'll tell you a little bit bit about that, you know, a little later on, but they're awesome. And if you live in Chicago, you have to check them out. They do it all and they actually run packages on like Botox and Juvederm and stuff that people don't run packages on because it's just like cost of products so expensive, but they're growing and they're expanding and they want to bring on new clientele and they're doing awesome things and I trust them with my life and I want to tell you all about them. But until then, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Courtney. I am using, we're using like handheld, like kind of like stage mics. So I apologize for any sound issues I tried to correct for them. And yeah, let me know what you think. Follow me at be there in five, be there in five.com, be there in five.etsy.com. Follow at be, at be there in five podcast. And as always, please, please, please email me any thoughts, questions, concerns at podcast at be there in five.com. Leave a review. Love five stars. We're almost at 300. It would make my life would help me a lot. And patreon.com slash be there in five to hear the ridiculous conspiracy theory that I'm buying into about the royal baby. All right, guys, enjoy. All right, so today I'm here with Courtney Kerr. She is uh, an influencer that got me into influencers originally because I started following you way back in the day when it was what Courtney wore. But then when you got your show, I was like, who is this? And she's amazing. And I like went and kind of like reverse binged. And this was maybe in 2013, a long time ago. Um, anyway, I'm, it's funny because I could say like, I haven't watched your stuff. I'm cool. I'm a journalist. I'm objective. But, like I'm a fan of your, what you've done so far work-wise, public-wise, but also I've gauged from our interactions that you're like a really nice person and you're so successful and I love you. And I'm so happy to introduce to you today, Courtney Kerr of currently fame hello (laughs) that was the nicest thing anyone has ever said about me quite frankly it's weird because when in this position you like start to talk to people on the internet who like are like-minded and are doing similar things and yeah I, I feel like I know you but like I don't and that's kind of what I want women to take away when they interact whether it's with my blog or with my Instagram stories whatever or my YouTube channel that they feel like 
they've just had a session with a girlfriend who's taught them something or who shared something with them that they didn't know. I, I have tried to shift my, um, dialogue with my readers and my, I hate the word followers. It makes it sound like we're in a cult. Um, but to be more like friend focused versus being like, Hey, you guys like, but it's really hard not to say, Hey, you guys, I say everybody. Hey everybody. Hey y'all. Y'all's good. Hey you guys. That's cute too. I, I don't really try to address that. Like, I'm not going to tell them happy Wednesday because like, <laughs> why? I do hate happy blank day. Why, why do we do that? Why I don't say do that to that? like my barista. Why would I say that I see every day? Why would I say that right. to a bunch of strangers on the internet? Well, yeah, I don't think I actually directly address people because I just like go right into the thought, which is also aggressive, but I'm learning people don't like when you talk because half the time they don't have the sound on. That's so strange to me because I've never watched Insta stories with the sound off. Same, but we don't work for like in an office. I, I've never, if I see that someone's talking and I'm in a place that I can't talk, I just close it. I don't yeah. keep going through. I Isn't know. that what it's for? Isn't it storytelling? I, the reality is your vocation is sharing and a lot of people use the platform to, I, I, I always say like, I just want to leave better off. Like th there needs to be a balance, like complain, don't complain, share a product, sell something, don't. But like at the end of the day, I just want to be like, that was a pleasant interaction. Exactly. Like I don't ask for much. And I think when people need everything to be like so tight and right, I'm like, why, but just like, why does it matter? It doesn't because the people that are telling you to keep it tight and right are in their parents' basement. Do you think they are? Yes. Sometimes I think it's my friend's fence does. <laughs> I just want people. I don't. I, the people that are insulting me, I just kind of want them to come forward. Mm -hmm. Like if you felt personally victimized by my grammar, please, <laughs> <laughs> please raise your hand. Like, Yeah. Do you really care that much? It's shocking that there hasn't been a documentary about that. You know how, like, there was the one about, like, Paris Hilton and co? Mm -hmm. Why are we not, like, Exposing analyzing the art of the troll? Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, who are, like, truly, I, everyone says they're in their parents' basement and whatever, and, like, I half agree with that. But I also, I, I just think there's a level of resentment with influencers that's unfounded, because it looks like your life is is one way. And if people have any grievances with their own life, the easier release of energy is to criticize. Exactly. And you're a stranger whose their criticism won't affect their personal life. But, I mean, you probably are cooler about this than me. It is rude and offensive and hurts you Do and you whatever. get butt hurt if somebody hates on you? Yes. I'm like, you so still take it personally. You still get personally attacked. You feel victimized yes I can't that's a it's a big thing for me like I don't know if it's who I am or I don't know if it's a thick skin thing I guess for me at this point I feel like and have you heard have you heard my cilantro analogy I love your cilantro analogy here for those of you that maybe haven't heard the cilantro analogy I think it really sums up who I am like I'm cilantro some people think I am necessary in every Mexican dish some people think <laughs> They can't live without me. They want more cilantro. They they get upset if a salsa doesn't have, have enough cilantro. Mm -hmm. But then there's people that think cilantro tastes like soap. And they will not go somewhere because there's cilantro 
there's too much cilantro is present in that place. Mm-hmm. Once you accept the fact that you're cilantro and either half of the people are going to not like you, but the other half are obsessed with you. It's not a matter in influencers. I think a lot of influencers would be so much more successful if they would realize that there's people that don't like you, but if they don't like you, they just don't like you. But if they like you, they love you. So it's not really like, like, and dislike it's obsessed with you and dislike. Yeah. It's like, it's a, in that analogy, it's a literal matter of taste. I also think that the people that hate on you usually aren't sitting, usually are sitting in the cheap seats. Um, like think about baseball games. People in the front row aren't booing. People in the middle section aren't booing. People in the very top of the grandstands, though, are the ones that are like booing and yelling and calling people awful names. Right. They're, they're like cash spectators. They're not invested. Right. So I guess I don't get offended because the people that are putting me down, they're not anybody who's who matters. True. True. So yeah. like if you want to hate follow me, that's fine. But you're probably not the person that's paying my bills either. The person who's obsessed with the cilantro is paying my bills. No, totally. So you can follow me or not follow me. But at the end of the day, like I'm still getting paid. God, you're so wise. <laughs> I'm not getting paid. <laughs> I think that's my problem. <laughs> I literally spend no, so but much- think about it. The people sitting in the top of the stands, they're not, they're not paying any, like they're paying nothing to be there. So like they're not, they're not buying a bunch of food and drinks to be at the baseball game and paying the baseball players salary. But the people who bought the front row tickets and bought the season passes, they're not going to boo you because they genuinely want to be there. And even if you fuck up, they're still going to support you and like you. They're the ones paying your bills. So don't get affected when the people that don't pay your bills put you down because they're not affecting your, your, your W9. I don't know a lot about sports, but I really get that analogy because I'm a Fairweather fan and I go for the hot dogs and the experience, but I couldn't care less about the teams, but I don't matter because I'm nominal relative to the more pricey seats. That's exactly. a price or volume strategy. It's really economics. And I, I, I like to have these conversations about influencers because I think you can like talk about them in like a broad strokes, kind of superficial way. But when you think about it as a business and as a revenue model, it makes people be like, maybe I'm not going to bitch as much because just like Netflix or Hulu or cable, there are two ways I, that I can consume content. I can s- pay a subscriber fee or I can watch ads. Influencers aren't different. And like, why is it so incensed? Or are you so incensed on this platform, but not on any other? You know, I think it's strange because people will watch the Kardashians for hours and not get mad when they see you don't think the Kardashians are making money off those commercials that are playing during their new episode every Sunday night? Well, they are. Right. And we all still watch them. Um, but I don't think, I think the difference is influencers have been not forced, but we're legally required to disclose advertisements. Whereas Anna Wintour in very small, fine print under the editor's notes talks about the ads that are in the pages of Vogue, but no one gets offended by those. It's a very strange uh, comparison, but I think when you po- point it out that way, people sometimes go, oh, when you put it that way, it makes it makes a little bit more sense. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is th- there's, I think, two types of influence. There's ones that say yes to everything, and there's ones that really only say yes to things that make sense for their content. 
And for me, there was a year in my, in my career that I said yes to everything and I was schlepping everything. And the engagement was so low that even though I was like rolling in money, not really, I wasn't, the, my audience wasn't engaged with that content. But now there's such a process that happens before I say yes and sign a contract of, I need to test a product. I need to use it. I need to give feedback. I have, I completely redline like, what the contract looks like of what I will promote, what I won't promote, what I will say yes to, um, the words I'll use in an Insta story, the words I won't use in an Insta story. Um, like right now I'm working on a big project with my dog fancy, but fancy I'm, I've turned into Kris Jenner with fancy. <laughs> like No, like the Kardashians is on on the TV. So I keep using, um, Kardashian references, but, um, I'm her, a momager. Wait, I feel like Joe Simpson. No lie. And you're like, does fancy have a writer? Like, no, but I was just like, she's going to try this product for three months before we can talk about it. Honestly, Turns out it was a product she was already using. They just had new packaging. So I was actually the stupid one. Um, <laughs> no, this is what I mean though. Like I, when I said like, I don't use the term boss babe, but like I, I need to, uh, you're a business person. Like that, that is what business people do. They like, they take a long ass time to figure out what deal is right for them and review the contracts and adjust the language and move forward accordingly. And I don't like the misnomer that like, yeah, if you're going to pay me, I'll shill it. Cause that's not the case for me. It was a, pro it was, I'll always say yes to a product that people will buy anyways. Mm -hmm. And that's not a fancy way to say it, but I'm like, if they buy it anyways, I don't yeah. mind promoting it because it's going to go. But what I'm going to do is add education to the value of that product that they might buy more. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to go say you need to buy solo cups mm -hmm. because I love solo cups and you should love solo cups and you can take them everywhere with you. But I'm going to say you should love this type of wine glass because you're already going to need wine glasses. You're already going to be drinking wine and you're already going to need something to put it in it. And then I'm going to teach you the value of mm -hmm. why this, this wine glass is more important than that shitty wine glass. Like, I don't know if you saw. So yesterday I did an ad with beauty blender. I'm going to use a beauty blender. You're going to use a beauty blender. Millions of us are buying beauty blenders. But what I did yesterday was add value to that beauty blender by teaching you how to use it in ways that you might not have known to use it before. Mm -hmm. So people don't look at it and go, that was an ad. They look at it and go, yeah, it was an ad, but she taught me something from it. So I don't mind listening to the ad because I actually learned something. And so they leave feeling educated versus le leaving feeling annoyed. 100%. So if you can create value behind an ad and teach, so many influencers make the mistake by turning ads into demos. Mm, yeah. It's like where you're watching QVC and we're just Set demoing and forget it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just demoing a bunch of things. Yeah. I don't need you to demo me. Teach me why I need to pull out my wallet and buy that. Mm -hmm. Educate me on something. Tell me something I don't know. Give me a fun fact. Give me, and that includes the demonstration, but it also includes like knowing about the brand's founder and knowing about the brand's mission statement and knowing about the brand's return policy and knowing about reading that brand's reviews. Like I do so much research on a brand before I ever touch it because I want to know, are people going to come back and yell at me for something not being something being tested on animals or not being tested on animals? Are people going to come back and yell at me about that company has a shit return policy or 
that company was in a lawsuit because they blah, 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 blah. Like, mm-hmm. I want to know anything that might be thrown at me before I say yes to something. Which is the care that a lot of people don't put into it that gets them into hot water and in stunts growth, right? Like, I think that I have such a, I don't know. I, I think that, like, I haven't really followed a lot of people post, like, I don't know, 20. 14, 15. I'm very into OG bloggers, but because who are your fa- I, we need to dive into this real quickly. Who are your favorite OG bloggers? I love they're probably similar to mine. I love you. I love Kathleen. I love Blair Edie. Kathleen I, um, Barnes, Carrie Bradshaw. Carrie Bradshaw Lied. Um, I love Blair Atlantic Pacific. Yes. So unrelatable, I, but so beautiful. She, she found her, she knew her niche in like 2010. She was like, I'm not going to tell you shit about my life. Yeah. But I'm going to post the outfits and put them in the caption and, and the photos are going to be confusingly amazing. And you're going to be like, where do you wear that? Like, you know, super, who cares? Like, She's like, she'll say like beer run and she has on tennis shoes with like a ball gown. It's her. And um, I mean, I love Emily Schumann, Cupcakes and Cashmere. I love like a lot of the uh, I love Julia Engel of Gal Meets Glam. And I love her because she actually took the time to develop her own design supply chain and like set out to make a dress line. That's not just her slapping her name on a licensing deal. Like I think through the people I follow and support because I, I notice when people put effort into things. Do you follow Brooklyn blonde? I don't. Oh my God. She's an OG and she's like my favorite. I figured you were going to say her. I like all almost assumed you were going to say Brooklyn blonde. Do you know her personally? I mean, we've met like a handful of times, but we like message back and forth, but we mostly talk about skincare. Okay. On that, there's a few people that do skincare well and a lot of people that do it poorly. I think that when I sent you my book, <laughs> I remember like putting it in the mailbox and being like, should I have said that? Because I wrote on your note, like, dear Courtney, love what you're doing. Your skin looks like butter. <laughs> which either means it's like greasy and balmy, which it is today because I just got a spray tan. No, the... Truly, I'm I think hot and red right now because I'm drinking wine. I'm ruddy as hell. I, 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 I what is so? Are you using a good exfoliator? I try. I, I, I really, um, do you have a retinol I'm, in your system? I don't have retinol in my system, but I'm a child of terrible cystic acne that used retin A my whole life. And like, I was just like ready for a few years where I wasn't peeling. Um, but peeling is so good though. Do you like it? I have trouble. Arranging social events around aggressive you have to face give a peeling. Week to, you have to give a good week of your life to peeling once a month. Once a month? See, that's what I can't... That's what I'm like. I feel like metamorphosis. My skin is shedding. Like, I'm sorry in advance. I, I Every time I'm out, I'm like, I don't know if there's a huge ass, like... You know what I mean? It's, it's very like Silence of the Lambs. It's I get it. It's a lot. But um, I love a... Uh, Dermaplane? Dermaplane. Oh, I love um, a hydrofacial. I love a microdermabrasion situation. I shave my own face. I Like with a razor? Like a face razor. With like a kiss razor. The one thing I haven't done. <gasps> Are you teaching me something? Oh my God. I like just got so excited. Because it, it changed how my makeup sits on my face. So that's essentially a, a, a dermaplane. Yes. I have a great place at dermaplanes. But like. If you're peach fuzzy, you're peach fuzzy. And like mine grows back immediately. And I just, before I put on my makeup, I literally just do like a light razor to the face, like all the time. And it makes me feel better. And, um, I love, Have you done a laser, like any type of laser treatment? I have, but I, I, and you, please be my devil's advocate. 
I struggle with an industry whose whose results are seen after it's after they're relevant or where you what the source is or after you can't get your money back. It's like skincare capitalizes on a promise that they never actually have to fulfill because it's anti aging. Yeah, you actually just like hit the nail on the head with the entire. No, so I went and got a BBL last week, or it was... What's that stand for? It was like 14 days ago. Uh, broadband laser. Okay. And it's basically a fancy name for a photo facial. And then afterwards, they did a light peel. And I'm still peeling down here on my neck. Like if I rubbed my neck right here hard enough, we could grab some skin and peel it off. Um, but neck my work's f- important though. Oh, it is. But from like forehead to chin, I was... Last Monday through, or last Tuesday night through Friday, it was touch and go. Really? Meaning I touched it and skin <laughs> would go. <laughs> like, Just like run off your face. No. Every time I would go to the bathroom, I would rewash my face and re-exfoliate and then reapply just my BB cream. And it would look so pretty. So everyone's like, I can't see it. But I could see there were sheets of skin coming off. Well, what's confusing too is the advice I was given was don't peel, don't wash, don't bother, let it peel. No, you do want to let it peel, but you also want to use a really good moisturizer. You don't want to use anything with any chemicals in it during that time. You don't want to use any toners, any AHAs, any BHAs, any liquid exfoliators. What's an AHA? Alpha hydroxy acid. What's a BHA? Beta? It's like I speak Greek. Um, interesting. See, I think that, no, I actually wanted to talk to you about skincare because I think that it is so ubiquitous. It's, it's, it's weird how it's ubiquitous and everybody talks about it, but in contrast, nobody actually gets it. No one understands what they're talking about. We all just know what works for us and what statistically works for the majority of women. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, like, a lot of it is trial and error, which is why I've, I decided in 2018 and 2019, I was going to make my blog so much about the education of skincare, mm-hmm. because it was like, if I'm going through something, then there's a chance 80% of my readers are too. And so I wanted it to be, I wanted, first I wanted my blog to have more evergreen content than like topical content that like rotated quickly. I wanted it to be, they could always come there and type in retinol and find an answer. They could always come mm-hmm. there and type in SPF and find an answer laser and find an answer. And it wasn't just a bunch of clothing that would be out of stock six months later, which is, I think is what a lot of blogs are. So true. Um, but I wanted it to be, and if it was in regards to clothing, I wanted it to be about great investment blazers or great investment boots or great investment, um, handbags. I wanted it to feel like I said, evergreen. And so back to the skincare point, I wanted everything. I wanted to teach people things in the sense that they would feel like they left and went, okay, I learned something and now I know. And Courtney went through that and I went through to that and I was going to put everything out there. And that sucks because I feel like I'm always testing products and I'm always trial and erroring mm-hmm. my own face is like a <laughs> science project <laughs> think, for my yeah. readers. But at the same time, I can't tell you how many people have sent me thank yous and said like you putting that out there made me feel so much better about my issue. Oh yeah. But half of the time I show up places, I'm apologizing. I'm like, sorry, I just got a da, 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 da. <laughs> or sorry. I just got a new spray tan and I look like a crazy person or sorry. My, like I have one extension over here that's literally dangling. And I feel like I've just been hiding it for the last five days. 
So is sorry. it a clip in? No, it's a I have tape ends. I have never had hair extensions, but so I want them so bad. I'm growing out these bangs. Okay. This is from the bang cut of 2017 that happened. I remember. Yep. When you were blonde. Yes. So going platinum blonde and cutting bangs at the same time. Yeah. Not the best idea. Leaves you in like a Britney Spears situation. Oh, I if I would have like shaved my head and and <laughs> cut my hair like Ella DeGeneres, I would have been in <laughs> such better shape. I, now my hair would be down to like my boobs. Um, but instead I was like, let's slap some extensions in. Let's mix it up. I actually love that you change up your look so much because you can look at photos of your, yourself and date it. And I know exactly when it happens. And what's funny is I'll look through pictures with me and my boyfriend and I, it literally looks like he's been with so many different women, <laughs> which maybe that's, he has, awesome. that's not my business, but <laughs> it's like, I always tell him he, when I go get my hair done, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. And when I come home and it looks different, I'm like, do you feel like you're cheating on me with me? Like, Does he like really notice? Cause I've never done anything materially different. 100% notice. I mean like okay. when you come home with like long brown hair and you come back with like sh a short blonde bob, fair, like fair. he, 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 there was a period that he was like, I, every time you show up, I think you're in a wig. Well, right. It's like, I bought one hair piece on Amazon. Did you get the halo? Um, Have you ever gotten an extension? I'll, extensions? Show, I'll show you. The, the halos are the best. So they, they're, it's a circle. It's With a piece like a of headband on like the crown. It's, it's, so it's not an elastic. It's like fishing wire. And then on the oh. back half, it has hair attached to it. Mm. Um, I did. I used to wear one of those. And it's all fun and games until you go to a gay bar and someone dips you and your <laughs> halo is in the middle of a dance floor. Stepping on a hairpiece is tough. <laughs> I have done that before. And well, okay, here's my question. I, I don't know, like how into beauty are your friends where you can show up in Dallas to a sushi dinner and have a full on fake pony Ariana Grande style. I mean, I don't do, I don't go for that approach, but I showed up to sushi last Friday with a full like uh, laser peel situation happening. And I had just whatever. dabbed it out with some CC cream mixed with some La Mer cream, creme de La Mer and a little bit of vitamin C E ferulic. And we were good to go. But I was on like a, I was on a 120 minute countdown. Like well, I've, right. <laughs> I've perfected the the peel face to like, I can dab out the, I can mix the foundation with moisturizer and go out the door, right. but I've got 120 minutes and then I'm Turn turning in, I'm, I'm turning into like a old grape. Yeah. Less it desirable just, gourd. Than oh, a pumpkin. <laughs> I'm turning into a rattlesnake. Like I'm going to start shedding, but like good friends don't really care. But I find that I like, you know, when you want to look nice, you're going to like a gala or a charity function or a wedding. And I feel like the stuff I see on TV that I love, like, you know, the extensions and the mink lashes and all this stuff that looks so good on video and, and photos, I feel really crazy in person. Do you ever feel that way? No. Well, this is why I needed more input because I do have a hairpiece and I am going to a wedding on Saturday. Wait, you have one with you right now? Yeah. That I might do a pony with. I don't think, here's what I think. I think so many people are so self-absorbed that they really don't care about you. Narcissistic anxiety is so real. Like, I don't mean that rudely, but I often think like, is everyone staring at my peeling face? And then I realize everyone's so obsessed with themselves that nobody cares what my face looks like. That actually, 
if I give them some good material to mm-hmm. talk about, then they'll actually feel better about themselves. What's funny is I think so many people think everyone cares. So many people think everyone cares about what they're doing wrong, but True. really all those people, they just care about themselves. Like it's kind of like when you go to a soul cycle class, mm-hmm. which you told me you've only been to one, <laughs> but here's the deal. When you're in a soul cycle class, you will feel like everyone is judging you, but all everyone is doing is just looking at themselves in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a life metaphor? <laughs> it's true. Nobody is Everyone's looking like peddling, at peddling. Nobody peddling. is looking at you being off on the yeah. choreography. They're just looking at themselves and yeah. their bodies in the mirror. No one's looking at you. They're all looking at themselves. It's so true. It's like when Abercrombie and Fitcher was at Hollister had those, um, dressing rooms that it was one big open room do you remember that phase i only remember that i think it was hollister like the local town mega hotties had the guys stand outside to like lure people in and the yeah the, did you guys have like the guys the shirtless yes. guys standing outside but i think hollister had one big try on room yeah and so many of my friends would be like i just don't want to go to hollister because i don't want to try clothes on with people and i'm like none of those bitches in the, in the dressing room are looking at you they're you, looking at themselves. You like a big Hollister fan? No, but this was like in like the or this was like in two thousand and one. So this was before like communal dressing rooms. Right. I I hated Hollister because a Hollister X a Hollister XL is a Gap XX small. Like Hollister's fit model was tiny. Do you realize I can't get onto Revolve's website without feeling horrible about myself because most of their I'm like a healthy medium. Like if it, Same. if if a brand's like what size are you? I'm like. I'm a large, large four <laughs> and like a good healthy six, sometimes an eight, eh, maybe more than sometimes. Like I like just wrote that email yesterday. Like I have the exact same description. Of they myself. were like, what size are you? I was like, but I'm really small up top because like I can go braless. So if something is, is cut for the shoulders, I can go big, small, small, medium. Like I'm a, I'm the biggest of the smalls, but the smallest of the mediums. But if it's cut for like the hips and the ass, uh-huh. I'm the biggest of the mediums. Interesting. But, but it also depends if it's low rise or mid rise. <laughs> you know, there's so many variables when it comes to what, saying what size are you is like saying, what do you want in, in a wine? Right. It like doesn't matter, but when you're like forced to say it in writing or in speech or to like a PR girl who yeah. lives in New York, that's yeah. like, what size are you? I'm like, well, I don't know. Does it have pockets? Like, <laughs> <laughs> because then I'm really enticed. No, but seriously. So on Revolve, I just order everything in a medium and a large. And then my accountant will call me and be like, why did you order $1,700 in two packages from Revolve? And I'm like, well, I had to get six shirts in mediums and in larges, but I'll send back 80% of it because I'll probably only end up keeping two of the six shirts and only in two different sizes. Like, Well, like men's shirts, they, there's like a neck size. There's like an arm size. I mean, and they wear the same stuff every day. And like the, it, yeah, it's, it's completely dependent. And I actually have really abandoned a, a lot of online shopping because... I feel like you and I are, are on the same... Um, stroke of style in the sense of like we're both in blazers <laughs> no i feel like yeah. the things that you post yeah. that you've like rented from rent, rent the yeah. runway unlimited which i'm a big fan huge fan i have two accounts under two different email addresses 
So yeah, I got to get that promo. So <laughs> no. So I get Oh, for eight slots. Eight. No, I'm, I don't, I'm not sponsored by them. I, I mean, I should be clearly, uh, <clears throat> but I get eight pieces a month like instead of four. Yeah. That's honestly, that's cut back in my, my accountant was like, you're not shopping as much as last year. I'm like, no, I got an additional email account for my pregnant friend who couldn't, who couldn't shop on rent the runway anymore. I spend so much time trying to free up that fourth slot that I really should just get a second account. And there's so many times I'm like, I want a medium for one slot and a large for another slot. And like, are you busty? I can't tell no. is what I'm asking. No. That's like a different uh, can of worms because like. Are you are you busty? Yes. Busty. Oh, you are. But are those real? Yeah. Oh, good for you. Thank you. But um, I, I'm like a very boob. Why did it take your, your husband six years to propose with boobs like that? <laughs> well, we, well, the problem with boobs is that like high, like fashiony clothes are aren't, not aren't good friendly. for. Yeah. Lily Pulitzer looks like red light district, like very fast. I look yeah. so slutty and I cannot wear a sundress. And I just am like, oh, like a slip dress. I bet like no. see, I can wear a slip dress with like. A blazer over yeah. it and heels. Can you go and braless? I I'm braless right now. I'm braless. Never so much of, of the time. I couldn't dream of it. And like the other thing, deep V's. Deep V is a lot of like really gorgeous fashiony clothes that I just like will never oh, understand. I get so sad for you because deep V. If I live, I could live my life in a deep V, a high waisted boyfriend jean. Oh, by the way, I'm in a new pair of Levi's that we need to talk about. Are they the? Mile high? No, but I know you love a mile high. I'm a mile high. These are the 501 skinnies. Uh-huh. No stretch, but these with sneakers are great and these with heels are great. So they have become my new... See, the mile high is too legginish. What do you do when you don't want something to touch your body? You just don't... I don't things. have a body... T- so I am... A, I'm like... Do you not ever feel suffocated by the mile high? I am a person that likes compression. I feel I do not look great in baggier clothing. They're the one that I'm wearing. If you go to my Instagram, 80% of the time, they're the jeans I have on. They're the 501 Levi's skinny in the color can't touch this. So straight up Google Levi 501 skinny can't touch this and they'll pop up. They are breezy. You have to go one size up though. Um, so I'm typically, I mean, I never tell people what size I am because I always go, they're true to size. But go one size up. I normally wear a 28 if they have stretch. Mm-hmm. But these I order a 29 in. I hate when people do, when bloggers do try on sessions and they say what the size they're wearing and everything. They're like, I went uh, true to size, so extra, extra small. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck off. I want to like try that and say it and just see if anybody notices. No, be like, so I went true to size. I'm in a 2X. <laughs> right. Truly. Like, that's just tough. say you're wearing your normal size or just say I went one size down or I went one size up or say it has stretch so you can go one size down and it's going to be tight in the beginning, but then it's going to start like, just be a little bit more creative in your descriptions. It's not helpful. I don't know your proportions. Yeah. So why you say saying it? you're an extra small? Well, <laughs> so is my boyfriend's 13 year old daughter. Right. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I was an extra. I don't, honestly, I've been five, nine since I was 12. I don't know the last time I was an extra small. It sounds like a really cute, like journey to have. Okay. I want to ask you about your reality TV experience. If you don't mind. No, I, 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 Love digging up old bones. So, okay. Can you give me like a timeline of when most eligible Dallas happened and then when Courtney loves Dallas happened? So most eligible. So let's back. Let's 
let's scoot a little bit more back. So okay. in 2010, I was still working retail. And so, yeah, so I was a retail girl. I graduated in 2004 from college and worked, um, interned with Neiman Marcus, um, opened the first Madewell store in the country, um, worked directly under Mickey Drexler, who's the CEO of yeah. J. Crew, who's like my mentor, and then went to work in training for Sunglass Hut. So I was working at Sunglass Hut and officing at one of their like million dollar stores as their regional trainer. And I was out for my 29th birthday in December of 2010. Had just gone through a horrible breakup. Um, a guy had broken up with me during the countdown of the new of New Year's. Oh, okay. Well, I just had a flashback. Did you say that at one point on <laughs> yeah. TV? Did that really happen? Like ten nine eight. I don't want to be with you anymore. No effing way. Seven six five. Wait, what? Four three two. Yeah, I just don't think we should do this anymore. Happy New Year. No. One hundred percent. What's funny is I have not seen him since then. I'd like to think that he died. He's alive. He's very much alive. Um, do you, like, do you, you have no access to him? No access. Like, Whoa. if I saw him out, I would actually be really cool. Me and his wife follow each other on Instagram. Um, she's beautiful. <laughs> they have a beautiful family. Like, we have a lot of mutual friends. Huh. I actually don't really care, but I think the story is hilarious because everyone at some point when they were 28-year-old was an asshole. Like, well, yeah, and it's like to prioritize like I think that every, message over a New Year's kiss. Like, at least just have a nice moment. Yeah. I just think, like, I was probably insufferable at 28. Like, everyone at some yeah, point in their life has moment. not been great. And I've had most of my not great moments on TV. <laughs> he had his on New Year's Eve. Um, but anyways, I don't want to talk bad about him because I'm sure he's he's fantastic now. But it's your experience. And that was my yeah. last interaction with him. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, um, so I was at my 28th birthday and Matt Nordgren was there. So if you're familiar with Matt Nordgren, you know that he was my co-star in most eligible Dallas on Bravo. And then he, we went on to kind of like have a little, like, I don't know if you want to call it like a fling. I don't know what we want. We dated ish. Mm -hmm. We dated. And, um, he was like, Hey, I'm doing this reality show and they're casting and they really like to cast you. And I was like, well, I'll be at Spoozy for my birthday so they can come. That was a, that was a bar here, Spoozy. And um, so they showed up while I was doing like a conga line through the bar. <laughs> they were like, are you Courtney Curran? I'm like, who cares? Who's asking? <laughs> Fuck off. Like I was probably such a little twat. That's why I got cast. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, ding, ding, ding. She's in. So they were like, will you meet with us the next morning? I was like, sure. So I showed up the next morning. I still had fake eyelashes on. Um, I was probably reeked of Red Bull vodkas. And um, they cast me. So that was in December 2010. And in February, like literally eight weeks later, we started filming Most Eligible Dallas. Like I signed a contract and that was that. I was like, if I'm going to get over a breakup, let's throw a mic pack on and just cross our fingers and hope for the best. I cannot imagine that moment when you're like, yeah, so I'm going to go from like a normal person to being on a national scale. But the weird part is too, a lot of pilots don't get picked up. But mind you, this was before Instagram. True. This was before Twitter had just come out. This was before Instagram's for social media was, was at the capacity before Vine, before Snapchat. 
any of those things. So like really you didn't, it was before Facebook, Facebook, you still had to write, I am. And then the, <laughs> and then the status yeah. update member, like it Courtney like the is, Facebook.com. it said like <laughs> Courtney is right. And then you wrote your status. Totally. It yeah. was, it didn't just, it wasn't just a place for like blanket commentary. So you didn't have anything to lose back then. Yeah. So I, I was like, sure, this is That's fun. true. I would have felt differently that, yeah, it's like, what's no harm, no foul. Like, yeah, I'm on TV. I'm off TV. It won't follow and if, me. And here's the deal. If someone stopped you, chances are they didn't have a phone that had a camera. Right. And they couldn't like video you like blowing your nose in the middle of a grocery store or That's acting a content. fool. <laughs> yeah. Or acting a fool, like no one cared because they were just like, oh, that's that girl from that show. And then if they happened to have a digital camera in their purse, which I did in 2010, you would stop that person and take a picture. So you sign on to Most Eligible Dallas. In 2011, we film it in February. It goes to air in August. And it gets picked up, which is, I have a few friends that have filmed pilots years and years and years pass. Nothing ever happens. And I'm like... It's a very dance while no dance like no one's watching thing because if it wasn't going to get picked up, I'd behave very differently. 100%. <laughs> so like, it's crazy how fast that went to air. Yeah. It was within six months we were on the air. Wow. Um, and we finished filming the last weekend in May, Memorial Day weekend, and it was on the air August 15th. So to brace yourself Like three, less than three months, That's it went wild. to air. Like two and a half months, we were on the air. Did you like live in a state of limbo like my life's about to change? No, because I didn't really understand the capacity of it. Housewives were in like season two or three. Yeah. A lot of sky tops, a lot of bangles. M most. Oh, my God. Those tops that like the halter ones yeah. that had the big stone uh -huh. in the middle. Yeah. I love a sky top. Is that what they're called? Uh -huh. I didn't know what they're yeah. called, but I love that. Um, it, it was just it was completely different. And uh, Watch What Happens Live, I think, was only in like its third season. Mm -hmm. So. It wasn't just the monstrosity it is now and that Bravo TV was then. So um, I remember when the when the pilot or the trailer dropped, they tweeted it and I couldn't I had a Blackberry at the time and I couldn't watch it on my Blackberry. So I had to I had to go to a Starbucks and connect to the Wi-Fi with my Hewlett Packard work computer and watch the trailer in the Starbucks because I didn't have a phone that like you couldn't watch something. Right. Yeah. Wasn't that instantaneous? Yeah. Did you like the trailer? Do you remember? Yeah. I, I had the last saying in it. They were like, uh, do you think you're the most eligible people in Dallas? And I was like, and I said, without a doubt, it was so, <laughs> fucking so quippy. <laughs> so quippy. So that was in August. We aired, we were on air to like, uh, end of October. And then, April 24th of 2012, I got a phone call that like, I think kind of forever changed my life. It was our production company and we didn't know if we were going to get picked up or not. So about six months later, I got a phone call. I was driving down the tollway um, and our production company called me and they said, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm, I'm driving home. They were like, you might want to pull over. And they were like, uh, the VP of Bravo wants to talk to you. I was like, "Damn! oh my God, we're getting picked up again. We're moment. getting, we're getting picked up. We're getting picked up. So I pull over into a Chick-fil-A parking lot, which feels just like so real and right. <laughs> um, and uh, Jen Levy, she's the, she was the VP of Bravo. She's now the VP of uh, Netflix. She's who brought Queer Eye back, actually. God bless her. Yeah. And you're who told me to watch Queer Eye. Yeah. When like people weren't watching it. Yep. 
And so she gets on a call with um, John Earhart, who was our uh, production, the guy who ran all of our production for Most Eligible. And they were like, we want to give you a spinoff. And I just remembered, like, I didn't know if I should laugh or cry or like, I, I was the most silent I've ever been. It was such a bizarre moment for me that in that moment, I thought I'm going to remember this moment for forever because my life is forever going to change. And I didn't really understand what happened. Fast forward three months, we were airing. Fast forward wow. a year later, it was going to air. Like influencer marketing was blowing up. And I, that whole moment from like 2012 to like the end of 2013, early 2014 is so much of a blur. Yeah. Because my life was changing so much and I didn't really stop and and go, oh shit. Like I just kind of just rolled and just did whatever. And I probably could have capitalized more, monetized more, gotten more followers in different ways and gotten on certain bandwagons. But I just kind of was like, I'm just going to keep being me because I think I'd rather have 300,000 authentic followers than like a million yeah. bullshit followers. hundred percent. I think like, and I don't like want to blow smoke and I know people feel weird when you talk good about them in front of them, but like, it must have been weird to be offered a spinoff because you're you, right? Like you're not like that interested in your in yourself, like if you're a normal person. But like you're so funny and you're so engaging and you're so relatable. And like to have a single woman on Bravo that whose friends were like, When are you getting married? What are you doing? Like, da da da. It it was like refreshing. And I and Housewives is a lot, it's a lot older of a demo, right? And Vanderpump Rules is a is a lot less productive of a demo. And like I you were like a person in a relatable market doing stuff we're all doing and having a sense of humor about it and executing it well in a way that wasn't cringy and it wasn't a hate thing. It was just like, she's funny and she's talented and she's dynamic and magnetic and she deserves to be on television. Well, That's how I felt. Thank you for saying that. And looking back now, I would have handled it all completely differently. Like you always like, I watched a clip from most or from Courtney Loves Dallas uh, last night and I I could barely keep my, I was like covering up my own eyes. Watching what was it the clip? It was the first interaction I had with Matt um, at like a bar and it was so uncomfortable, but it just, everything about it from like my bronzer, just the whole thing was all wrong. I was wearing like a sweater with a kitty cat on it. Like I was like, I didn't really know that the saying ignorance is bliss is so true mm -hmm. because actually not knowing what you're getting yourself mm -hmm. into is sometimes so much better than knowing how, what a mag like to the magnitude of something because then you're you give yourself time to allow your head to get big and I never did so I just mm -hmm. like looking back I think god I should have handled that so differently or gosh I should have monetized on that differently or gosh I should have said this differently or worn this differently or like d done more or been more or said more and and you know I look at people like Bethany Frankel and they kept comparing me to Bethany Frankel you're like the next you're the only other girl who's ever had a show a single show that Oh, carried. wow. At that time, you were the only yeah. other spinoff. Yeah. Interesting. Um, You know, like Rachel Zoe had come in with her own show, but I was the only person that had like a spinoff of. Right. So there was just a lot of pressure. And then after it only going one season and them going, well, we needed more and we wanted more drama and we wanted more of this. Like you feel like you let people down. But at the same time, it was like, but I was me. And so I could either have been something I'm not to stay on TV or been exactly who I am and seven years later still have a career. 100%. Like I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm not comparing myself to Beth Bethany Frankel because obviously she has a massive empire now, but then 
you know, I look at people like um, girls who go on The Bachelor and then they go on The Bachelorette. And like, that's essentially their version of a spinoff. Mm-hmm. But then like you see a lot of those girls and you're like, what are you doing? Not I'm not insulting anybody, but like, what are you doing now besides selling like flat tummy tea? Like, oh, I am insulting people. And yeah, that it's just different. It's different. It's, it's it was different. a different it place. The it was a different genre then it was and i to say it, it, which is crazy because it was only seven years ago to say that it was so different it was because instagram wasn't around when i was filming my spinoff like we were going to film every day with blackberries like it, we we didn't have iphones it was totally totally different yeah we weren't insta storing while we were filming we weren't on our phones we were actually in the moment filming we didn't know when we were going to see somebody or how we were going to see somebody. It was so real. Yeah. So, but looking yeah. at it now, it's like they know everything that's going on because everyone's posting where they are and where they've been and where they're going and who they've seen. And, and it's, it's why we like, honestly, things like the Kardashians are having trouble holding up because the chronological order isn't there. Cause we like know what's going on in real time. And then when the show airs, we're like, this happened three months after that. Right. It's weird. And, and, and I also think too, like, I mean, I, I gather from what you're saying, your show like actually was real. 100%. Because a question I got like four or five times was, was most eligible Dallas and Courtney loves Dallas? Like, was that all real? It was 100% real, which is funny because then you look at shows like the Hills, which that was weren't. before that, that was, but theirs was scripted. I mean, like right. hearing, hearing uh, Kristen Cavallari talk about how fake it was. Yeah. Is mind blowing to me. They were just like, you're playing a part. And I'm kind of like, well, good for you acting wise. Cause I don't think I could do that. Like, no. And have my own real name dragged through the dirt. Right. It's wild. They wanted us all to think it was a reality TV show, but it wasn't. Okay. So like what, uh, whether most eligible or Courtney, what I'm so interested in is like day one filming crew shows up at your house. You put on a mic pack. Then what do you do? Just live your life. That's so weird. It's bizarre. My apartment had stage lights. Um, like, so when we did Courtney Loves Dallas, because they were shooting in there every day, they set lighting throughout my whole apartment like a, like a set. So they could flip a switch and all those mag- huge lights came off, came on. Um, then my guest bedroom, they turned into a, like a production office. So that's where they all sat and watched the monitors. How many people are like there? There were during Courtney loves Dallas. There were eight people following me around for three months. That's but like now if people do a reality show, I mean, girls can do like YouTube series and just like selfie at the whole time and like have one person. Right. But like to think that there were eight people who had jobs because I was doing a show is wild. So did you feel like you could live though? Or did you feel like you had to perform? No, you feel like you can live because you just keep doing, I learned to keep doing what I was doing, but just talk out loud okay. because that would like, turn narrate in it to funny content. And if there was something I could text to somebody, I would put it in a phone call instead. Okay. That's a great point. Do you have, are you like contractually obligated to talk on speaker? No, but they can't hear the other person. Yeah. So like if you didn't want to have the conversation, you theoretically So what they could. do now is you hold your phone up to your ear and you talk on speaker, but then they get the other person's sound, but then they input it like that's what they're saying on the other line. Okay. That's fair. So like when the Kardashians are talking and you see the words come up on the bottom yeah. 
and it sounds like they're talking to them. They're actually talking on speaker, but. Okay. They're just picking up the audio. Yes. I remember there was one scene where you were like showering. Is there just like a middle-aged man in your bathroom with a camera on you? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, like that's insane to me. He did that. He didn't ever see me naked. It, it, I, I, this, but like, feels you were so naked. Monica Lewinsky. He never touched me inappropriately. Right, right. I was like, no, but he did because it was like blurred, right? Because I remember being like, I didn't know she had a tattoo. We were like in the shower. I was I. Yes, I've, I've blocked so much of that time out. I remember you being in the shower and seeing you had like a. Ri- do you have a rib tattoo? I do. And being like, I didn't know she had a rib tattoo. And being, and then I just remember thinking, huh, I wonder how that works. If you want them to blur it out, but like that you want they to see what they're doing. They might have brought in like a female camera person for that episode. Vanderpump Rules is like a lot of butts. It's like a lot of shower No, stuff. I never changed. I don't know. You become pretty it. clear. Like what was funny is in my camera, there was one guy that always was in my bathroom with me when I was getting ready. <laughs> and I would tell him before I would spray hairspray because it would get all over his lens fair so he'd be like hey this camera's worth more than your salary can you like <laughs> let me give me like the heads up before you start just spraying aussie scrunch spray <laughs> everywhere that's like a great tip though if i ever find myself in that situation because you don't want to be the unflattering person that's like pushing the camera i'll just like grab a diesel of Elmet and like spray. When someone told me once they were like if you look directly into the lens they'll they'll they won't use that so if i so if I didn't like something, I would just be like, hey, and I would just look directly into the lens, be like, hey, yo, I'd like talk to the person that was in the production room. Yeah. Listening. And then like 10 seconds later, somebody would run in. Did that happen? Like you were like, you can't. There were times when I felt blindsided, like in situations that I'd show up somewhere and somebody was there that I didn't know about. Like, if it, did it feel orchestrated? Like that night that I went, there was a night that I went to a bar and Matt was there, but like they didn't tell me that Matt was going, but obviously they knew because he had a mic pack on. It's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> but like, we all know that happens, right? Like, no, how we all know that, that like the, they're puppeteers and their job is to create great content. And so their job is to get another season. Their job is to keep their job. So they're not, if something, if nothing exciting is happening, they're going to create content. They're content yeah. creators just like us influencers to backtrack when I asked you guys questions for Courtney several people were like how's Matt Nordgren which is so funny because it's been eight years since you filmed I haven't spoken to Matt since it would have been fall of 2012 it's funny because I I know you as a person now but I get that as a person who was last really interacting with you in their head in 2012 that's top of mind exactly and i even remember you being on a horse and you being like future home of the nordgren family (laughs) (laughs) it did sound just like that future home of the nordgren family such a sound bite that is sound that is how it sounded like and oh my like, god, that's so disgusting! They're gonna be together forever, like our evs. You know how you watch this stuff and you're like, oh my god, like obviously. And it was, it was such a. It's like when Jacks got the Stassi tattoo. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That he then turned into like a hyacinth. Or when Bethany Frankel got married, pregnant on 
Bethany happily ever after. I, I have so I, many opinions about Jason Hoppy. I can't even get into it right now. I, I, I mean, I can, but I won't. And I am like, do I just feel misled. I feel like he and his parents were so nice. The small Pennsylvania family. Yeah, I just, I feel like he can't be as evil because I watched Bethany ever after. And he seemed like a normal person. He seemed like a 100% normal family and, or he seemed normal. His family seemed normal. But I will say I love Bethany Frankel, but at some point or another, everybody's had a problem with Bethany. And I will say, I I love your housewife. um, Crazy likable scale. Yeah. (laughs) Where do you think I would go on that? Why didn't you call more of the housewife while you were in Dallas? I only really reach out call- to people I talk to. So I was at Travis Holman's 50th was, birthday I last week. I had that week. on my list. <laughs> I was like, it appeared to me that you were at Travis Holman's party. I was. So my boyfriend um, and Travis and another one of our mutual guy friends, one of my best girlfriends and um, her fiance and Travis and my boyfriend are all friends. So I was just happened to be invited mm-hmm. because of like the group that, of mm-hmm. them as friends. Um, and so... They were filming, I guess, at the finale. I didn't really see any juice that was worth a squeeze. Liam got married two weeks ago. She did. She got married. Was she there? She was there. Was um, Rich there? I didn't see him. I, I don't you really. see a guy with I an eye patch? I don't interact with Leanne, but. Okay. Um, She and I, I don't really. You don't vibe? I'm just not like, I'm not her, her target demo. Yeah, I understand. She's she's kind of like a Ramona singer in that like she serves a very great reality TV purpose. She's probably I mean, so I've interacted with her a lot because I used to host a radio show here in Dallas and she would always come on it. I just don't drink her Kool-Aid. That's not anything rude against her. I'm not like not supporting other women. Um, But I remember the very first time I met her and it was not great. And she won't remember this probably because Mm -hmm. it wasn't, I wasn't anybody at that time. I wasn't, I hadn't even filmed most eligible Dallas yet. Mm -hmm. I was still working at sunglass hut. And, um, so I, and I, and I think about that moment a lot of how people think of me when they meet me for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it just wasn't great. And you take it with you is the point. Oh, I'm still carrying it. Was she like mega rude? She just, I, I couldn't do anything for her. Yeah. And I yeah, think she's fair. still like that a little bit. Like, and I don't mean that rudely, but like she has, I have no, I, I'm not going to help Leanne lock in at all in her life. I'm not going to yeah. help most people in their life. Unless you want to watch a YouTube tutorial. If you want, if you have the time to watch <laughs> an Insta story tutorial, then I can help you. But if you are too busy for that, then right. I probably can't help you. Whenever I'm at a function and people look past me and not at me, I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. Like, bye-bye. I, I just don't like, I just, I, yeah, I, it's hard because networking is, uh, an exchange of value. 100%. And I don't think I, th- my girlfriends, I was just in Tulum with three of my best friends. Um, and we were kind of going around the circle and talking about each other's like best qualities and worst qualities. And they're like, and they were like, Courtney, you're so unemotional. And so like, I'm very monotone. I'm very, I'm unemotional. My boyfriend would probably disagree. Um, I'm unemotional for the most part. Like not a lot of things ruffle my feathers. I don't get upset about a lot of things. I'm pretty chill. Like if you're running late, I don't really care. Like you do you, I'll do me. Like we don't have to like each other. It's fine. I'm not going to get offended. But so I think a lot of people see that and think she's a bitch. 
Like they see me and go, she didn't smile at me or she looked past me or she didn't acknowledge me or she didn't like her face didn't perk up. But like, first of all, it's the Botox. And secondly, I just, I don't get enthusiastic about a lot of things. And so if you're just like small talking, I'm probably not going to get engaged. Yeah. And then if you're not over the top friendly, if you're somewhere that people can access you, if you're not over the top friendly, then they think you're an asshole, which is my problem at most weddings or any Mm -hmm. social functions because people expect me to be on the same way I'm on, on Instagram Mm -hmm. or YouTube (laughs) or whatever. And if I'm not, then I'm just a, see you next Tuesday. Like then they're just like, uh, she just isn't friendly. It's like, well, maybe you were boring. Well, right. (laughs) Like you can't get along with everybody as a normal human, much less a public figure. You're, but the different, you're also highly recognizable. I'd argue to some, to a basic bitch like me, (laughs) I'd spot you from a mile away. Do you get recognized a lot? I get recognized a lot in cities that aren't Dallas. I think just Dallas is over me. They're okay. just like, if I moved yeah. to another city, I think just like my likability would skyrocket. Because everyone a show called <laughs> Least Eligible Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> just everyone's like over me in Dallas and that's fine. But like if I'm in Philadelphia or like the Charlotte airport, those fucking rocking chairs, you know how many times I've gotten noticed just like rocking to the rhythm of the rain. Wait, and I'm those- a Charlotte eight. <laughs> Give you know me what I mean? a Charlotte rocking chair. <laughs> oh yeah. All day long. Yeah, that airport. I, I feel strong. I feel noticed. One thing I love about Courtney is she's so honest about every procedure she's getting done, every injectable. She's very transparent with her audience, which when you're selling a bill of goods in terms of being a skincare expert, I, I really appreciate the honesty because I do think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in the skincare realm with influencers, especially like, okay, what's really a serum or a lotion and what are injectables? So I really wanted to find a med spa sponsor for this podcast specifically because I knew we'd be talking about skincare and because I don't know I just think it's an interesting topic that I've brought up in small doses but wanted to just like tell you a little bit more about in terms of my experience for me my truth does not lie in products whatsoever I'm sure I'm not using them right or whatever I'm just not in a position to be experimenting a ton with really expensive product whose results I won't see for a long time and truly the only things I've ever found revolutionary within the past couple years have been at med spas, which just kind of weren't on my radar before. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But first, I wanted to shout out to Innovative Med Spa in Chicago. They're awesome. My friend introduced me to them. I've been going recently and they have it all and they have such a holistic approach and a clinically researched approach, very medical professional environment to skincare and to injectables. And I just am, I, I, all I want for anybody is just to not F with your face and to go places where there are nurses, PAs, and doctors administering needles to your face and that have a lot of experience and that encourage you to look natural. And my my barometer for a good med spa and a great nurse injector is when they say no. Sometimes I'll test people and I'll be like, do you think that I need XYZ? And they're like, no. And I'm like, thank you. I, I, I want you to do what's best for me and not to get to make a buck. And I've been so impressed by Innovative Med Spa so far. They're literally inside another doctor's office. They do microneedling, PRP facials, skin peels, Botox, dermal fillers, lasers. They have concierge services. Kybella, if you've been wondering what Brittany Cartwright did to her chin, they really have all of the treatments you hear about all the time, except they'll actually explain them to you, which is what I really appreciate. And when I went to see Jessica Stalker on Instagram, 
uh, I think her handle is at Jessica underscore Innovative Med Spa. I kind of love stalking plastic surgery Instagrams, and this isn't plastic surgery. It's just looking at how people's faces transform with natural injectables, and I think it's fascinating. And she is an RN and a certified nurse injector and talks has talked me through processes, turned me down when I didn't need something, all, all the things that I require. So I'm going to tell you about what's worked for me in the past, but quickly, so you don't forget, look up at Innovative Med Spa Chicago on Instagram. I'm going to put the website in the show notes. You can Google Innovative Med Spa. It's at Ashland and Fullerton in Chicago and or just stalk the Instagrams to see the great work they do. You can tell them I sent you. Kate Kennedy from Be There in Five, but I don't have like a code or anything like specific. I just am trying to support a local business. And I really hope some of you guys will check it out. And yeah, so basically, after a, a lifelong battle with cystic acne, hormonal acne, just general bad skin, I had so much acne scarring by the time I was in my mid 20s that when I learned about getting chemical peels, at first I thought they were like terrible. And I was going to look like that episode of Sex in the City with Samantha. But the two things that have like transformed my skin are one chemical peels and two Dysport, which is another, it's basically a similar, similar formula as Botox. Chemical peels really promote cell turnover. They help prevent bacteria buildup. They really, it's just like getting your old skin off, skin off and doing them pretty consistently before my wedding. I think I did them every six to eight weeks. I don't know. It's just like my complexion changed. My redness went down, my scars went down and I got acne so much less. And I was just like, why didn't anybody tell me about these? But I I just, I was very off put by it and thought my face was going to be like red and fried, but really it's just light peeling and you feel like a new woman after. And truly that changed a lot about my acne. And secondly, the other noticeable thing for me, I have never ever, I really felt I've had any tangible benefit from serums or lotions or skincare products because I just don't use them for long enough and I don't have the money to invest in different ones to really experiment and do kind of a control exposed. And like I mentioned to Courtney, I have I take issue with not being able to see the results for 20 years and that's when I can't return the product. So the only other thing that's really helped me is Dysport, which is a similar formula to Botox. I found Dysport is a little more subtle it's less shiny. It activates quicker than Botox. And basically a few, maybe two years ago, I started getting it in the one between my eyebrows just to like see if it would lessen this really deep kind of crater wrinkle I had because I spent a cool five to eight years in a tanning bed. Kill me. I'm so mad at myself. I'm paying for it every day. And truly, like, I'm not like blowing smoke. I'm not saying this again. I think it's important to tell people that like, I don't just have great skin. I don't just stay out of the sun, drink water and get a lot of sleep. No, it takes like 20 units of Thai sport in between my eyebrows and the wrinkle went away. And it really, I don't even have to get it as much anymore because it almost like trained my face to not scowl. And I'm not saying this works for everybody. And it's fine if you're opposed to injectables and to age naturally is such a beautiful thing. For me, this was just a source of insecurity that I had because people always asked me if I was lost, if I was mad or I was confused because of kind of how my face fell. And um, I've just honestly, those are the two things I've been so, so happy with in life as it relates to skincare. So for the two people that have ever asked me about my skincare routine, honestly, that's it. Other than that, I like wash my face and, you know, some spot treatment from Mario Badescu with the drying lotion for like a more whitehead situation. And I've always used Estee Lauder lotions because my mom uses them and she has beautiful skin. And that's the truth. So 
not trying to make this an extended ad, but I wanted to tell you both about where I go to get things done and thank them because they were so on board with supporting a podcast where we talked about skincare, but also I've never really told you about my skincare routine. So uh, I hope there was some value added there and I hope you will check out Innovative Med Spa if you are in Chicago. And please remember that if you are worried you're going to look like Mama Elsa RIP and you think that everybody who gets injectables or goes to derm spas and gets treatments looks insane, it's because they have bad work. And a lot of people who you think are aging naturally likely have good work. And I'm not saying nobody does age naturally, but I am saying that I've found a lot of people not to be very honest about it. So anyway, back to the program. I think now we're going to get more into a Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders making the team lucky for you. Okay, so one thing that I jotted down that I wanted to ask you about, if you watch, if you care, is... Um, DCC uh, Dallas Cowboys making the team. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders making of the team. I've been the biggest fan since season one. Me too. I'm like Melissa Rycroft, like like old school. Before you were the Bachelor, you were on, on DCC, DCC, and they almost cut you because your high kicks weren't. But But I love mm-hmm. a toothy brunette, and I knew she'd pull through. I think that my biggest interest area is if like. I I don't even know her, but I know that Kelly McGonagall Finglass is already disappointed in me. Like she is so intimidating and she's so like her and is it Lori? Uh oh the other one. The blonde one. Judy Trammell. Judy Trammell. Cassie Trammell. Yeah. I love the DCC. Do you know I anybody miss, directly? I miss Kelly Finglass's hair being like this. It was very may I speak to a manager. <laughs> Yes, it was. It was very like, yeah, like a, it was very Costco. Yes, yes. It was very. I I'm going out with a guy named Rod. We live in Tampa. She is, or maybe his name's Roger, and she calls him Rog. Oh, 100 percent. Have you ever met Kelly Finglass? I haven't. Have you met anybody at, like DCC adjacent? So one of my good girlfriends is Michelle Keys. You know Michelle Keys. Mm-mm. She used to cheer for them, and then now she is does choreography for them. Um, what was her solo outfit? <laughs> <laughs> that I, might I don't know, but I'm pretty sure. Um, wait, who's the one, the mean solo instructor? Oh, uh, uh, obviously it's Kitty Carter. <laughs> Kitty Carter. <laughs> God, I love her. Um, so I'm about to drop a big bomb on you. I tried out for DCC. No, you did not. How? <gasps> How far did you make it? I made it to the semifinals. Did you do a solo? No, I I got cut before the solos. So you got to the point where you were in the parking lot and that security guard brought out that big board. But with he the brings numbers. out more than one board. They only show one mm, board. Okay, okay. That happens twice. Okay. The first one you do the freestyle. The mm-hmm. second one time you learn a routine. The mm-hmm. third time you do a solo, the fourth time you make the team. Okay. So I made it like halfway through. That's I made pretty it to bef- far. For, it, there were like 185 of us. I felt pretty good going from like 1,000 to 185. Yeah. I felt good about that. For most people, that's a cue to come back. <laughs> for most people, that's their cue. But for me, it was my cue to strap a mic pack on and go on reality TV. Right. It's like I, I film well, but I don't have the technique. <laughs> <laughs> ding 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 what year was this oh my god it, this was like first year of making the team it might there might be some footage 
We might need archives. Um, no, this would have been 2000. See, the- 2008. Maybe it's it's like the highest caliber television that it's phenomenal. What I like is that recently they started they they have that kind of like fu music license money where now they actually put music behind the dancers and it used to be that it was like yes it was like it it was just the basic yeah um, like royalty free music yes no this year I'm thinking definitely horses in the back is going to be coming out so that's that new horses song in the back yes that new song who is it uh Billy uh, Ray Cyrus um, and Neo Old Town Road Old Town Road Taylor Swift didn't beat that can you believe that she's literally never not had a number one single but she did not beat Old Town Road I didn't ask for that information <laughs> but I couldn't even tell you what her new single is that's a real laugh Kay Kennedy is real laughing at me. No, I've just like never had any. Are you so upset you're crying? No, <laughs> Ladies, she's like, crying. No, I've, are you crying? No, I feel like I've I've seen it all response wise, but I've never had anybody be like, I did not ask. I, no, I don't. I don't. I don't know anything about Taylor Swift. So when you go on these tangents, I truly have no idea what you're talking about. I respect it so much. It's like when I talk about lasers, I'm sure there's a whole caliber of my audience that's just completely... You know, zoning I, out. I think that's the point, though. Like, I like you anyway. It's like y- y- if you can find the people that like you, regardless of specific content, that's your sweet spot, right? One hundred percent. I actually meant to ask you because this is a question people said. Like, do, well, number one, did you ever have a moment when you felt like you were the shit? Oh yeah. Can you name it? I, in my head, I have what if I were you, what it would be. But I don't know, like, you know, everything about your life because I don't know if there was a I mean, I'm sure there was a time I thought it was the shit. But going on Watch What Happens Live is really cool. You were you weren't the bartender. You were like in a prime seat. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And I fucked the whole thing up because I got I got wasted. But they do that on purpose. No, I was. Wasty. Did you like curse and you got mad? No, I just got so drunk that I was so intolerable. And I can't, I haven't even watched it back because I know it's that horrible. I bet it's not that bad relative to housewives. No, it was, it was pretty bad because the production quality was so much lower than, so this was before high def. Like if I'm going to be wasted. His show used to be low budge. Yes. Oh, you were, we were sitting in a room that was the size of this booth. Yeah. Uh, no, I remember those days. Well, let's talk about this booth for a second because who, how many people is this intended to fit? I don't know. And like, who's like dining? Who's, who's like cash dining? Like, I feel like I'm at a low key club <laughs> that like after 10 p.m. Bottles people are going to sit on the back of the <laughs> ledge and then they're going to come out with sparklers. The other. Oh, so do you want to know what I thought? If I were you, I'd feel amazing doing. When you interviewed SJP. Was that not kind of a meta moment? Okay, I don't know if that made me the shit or if that just made me, like, really good at my job. But when my producer came to me and said, you're going to be... I, so, for those of you who don't know, I hosted a talk show here in Dallas, a morning talk show. And SJP, was otherwise known as Sarah's Jessica Parker, was coming through Nordstrom to launch her shoe collection. And I got to sit down and chat with her. And as dynamic as you think she is, she is. Mm -hmm. She's so engaging. She's so kind. She's so intelligent. She's so well-spoken. And we filmed the segment in two, in two breaks. And so we took a break in the middle or in two uh, groups. And so we took a, 
we filmed the whole interview in two segments. So we had segment one, segment two. So we took a break in the middle. And in the break, she looks at me after we after our producer yells cut. And she goes, you are so good at this. Wow. Magic. And I straight up looked at our cameraman and I go, did you get that? <laughs> He's like, we're not rolling. I was like, Damn it. But it was just, that was the moment that I was like, yeah, no, that actually was a, I'm the shit moment. I will say when I went, met, uh, Wendy Williams, <gasps> Wendy, I'm hope for the best for her. Um, did you go on her show? No, she came on our radio show. Oh, and I was so excited about meeting her cause she was such a pioneer for like women in the radio space. You know, back when Howard Stern was starting, yes. she was kind of one of the first like solo females who was kind of standing amongst this industry that was primarily, you know, male dominated. And she um, still is one of the only people that gives her opinion. Yeah. And isn't afraid of like advertisers or doesn't like give a fuck. strings, but she, um, didn't love her. Mm, and I was that. so sad because I, I was actually really disappointed because I wanted her to just be everything I believed she was. I think that happens though. Like I think more often than not, I'm disappointed by people. Is that how you feel right now? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say anything. No, but well, you were, okay. You were on a morning show. Did you like doing that or the, or radio better or neither? Uh, morning show. Well, I would say they're different. Morning show is nice. Cause getting up early sucks, but then I was done at 11 o'clock every day. Right. And you're like felt alive and we're glad you woke up. Yes. And then I'd go to sleep by you know, 11 PM and be up at, you know, six and get a good night's sleep and feel great about life. Did somebody else do your hair and makeup? Uh, no, we did our own. See if, if nobody, if somebody we else got did dressed. that, I'd feel better. Other people dressed us, which okay. was amazing. That's helpful. Getting, That's like, helpful. I mean, and there was wardrobe, yes. but the radio show, I had to work a whole day, like a whole normal day of like doing my blog and all of that stuff. And then at three o'clock I got on the radio. Mm. So when everyone was going to happy hour, I was getting on the radio from three to seven. That's four hours. Yeah. And then seven o'clock, I was home by, by the time I went to the grocery store, I was home by eight, eight fifteen. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's. It was just a different schedule. Um, So it's just kind of one, like the, when I was doing the morning show, I had more of like a healthy lifestyle. And when I was doing the radio show, I could definitely say I wasn't as healthy. That's interesting because, I, yeah, I, in my head, I like radio better because anytime my face is like around, I'm like self-conscious, but also. But you do so good on Insta stories. You get up so you get up so close on the camera. Like you get up in there. Well, You're I, all face on the Insta stories. Do you know why I do that? Why? I have a be there in five head. I have like the biggest freaking forehead. And so I like zoom. I'll like cut my above off my above my eyebrow. Why don't you just change your ankle? Cause like, I mean, even Tyra Banks <laughs> has figured out the forehead thing. Cause I don't, I never intended to, or want my face to be the thing. Like I, I want, I'd rather my name, my voice, my whatever, my tease. <laughs> Y'all, she's not going to tell you, but <laughs> be there in five. That's she got named that because after her husband <laughs> stared at her boobs for eight years, he was like, no, I'll be there in five. Like, yeah. They're a Chicago five, a Charlotte eight. Like I said, it's like, it, it, I know normally I don't wear like, but like it's hot here. Like it's like 40 degrees in Chicago and like my hair's not working here. My clothes, like I nothing's don't know working do. here. Yeah. I'm having my trouble. allergies are a disaster. The uh, other thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, oh no, what I was saying is, uh, 
I was talking on Instagram about how I good hosts to me, um, which I think Andy Cohen struggles with at times is a genuine curiosity that is non-discriminatory. And every single person you meet, you ask questions because you just, you just care. You're just curious. And I think where you go wrong is when there's a level of like, uh, importance or, or interest in like how you can help somebody. And then when the person's there and you're interviewing them, it's so transparent that you, the person doesn't care. And I was talking about this on Instagram and somebody DM me and said, like, what do you think about Wendy Williams? Like, can you help me analyze her? And I, I was like, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get into this. I'm not going to like DM you something private. I go to LinkedIn. He's the executive producer of Wendy Williams. I'm like, it's weird that I don't know these people are following me. Cause right. I'm talking about pop culture and stuff. And like, I watch Wendy Williams and I love her hot topics, but it was kind of funny. Cause I just, it's like, why would he care what I think? <laughs> like, it just doesn't matter. But I, I, my point being, it was during her, like, you know, tougher times and I want the best for her, but like, what am I going to say? Like, do you want me to be like, she needs to leave her husband? Like, that's what I think, but she did. I think sometimes that people, I think people, uh, especially in today's day and age where everyone voices their opinion, they want to push people to the ledge just to, or is it to the ledge or to the edge? Edge. But the ledge is. Push you over the ledge. Push you to the edge. We sound like uh, like Real Housewives when Ramona's like, I don't want to make a mountain out of a whole mill. Can I ask you one question? Because everybody asked. Yes. Um, okay. Obviously very interested in her boyfriend. I'm 100% interested in the boyfriend thing. Amazing to me that she's never slipped in a picture or video of him. I've been a very loyal follower of her since begging for her to date Matt on MED. I'd be curious if one, she's friends with anyone from the cast still. And two, how does she keep her relationship off of, like out of the public eye? And three, how much of her skincare is confident? <laughs> so uh, that's three questions if you can like you know so i guess i get this question a lot is like people go how do you not post pictures of your boyfriend well i just don't Mm -hmm. like it's i think for me i've been in the place where i've shared so much of my personal life and it's been subject to everyone's opinions and now how i feel about him is so um it feels so special that i don't want to tamper it and and share it with anyone else so i just don't share pictures of, and I think honestly, when it comes to my Instagram, it's about fashion and beauty. It's not about my relationship. I don't want y'all's opinion. I don't. I'm not putting him out there. It's my Instagram is my business. His Instagram is his business. And if you poke around hard enough, you could probably figure out who it is. It almost inadvertently creates this like element of intrigue. It does, um, and I get that. And now it's almost funny that like now I feel like it's become this game that we're just not going to show his face and yeah right but i don't think it's not for any like there's not any big secret why it's just he can't really add any value to the skincare or style game well right there will come a day that hell if he puts a ring on it y'all will see it yeah i will be heart-shaped diamond (laughs) (laughs) for you um and is your skincare routine comped no my skincare routine is really what i use awesome i mean you try stuff i try so much but what i love and i actually talk about is what i actually use lastly what do you like what about you or about influencers is like misunderstood that you want to like state your piece what you see in a in an insta story so if i post four insta stories a day if no i'll take that back yeah if i post four insta stories a day you're seeing one minute yeah 
So you're seeing one minute of my day. So don't assume you know everything based off of just what you see on Insta stories. Yeah. But like, I'll also say, I feel like you are pretty accurate to what you post a minute a day. Yeah. Having now met you in person. I do spend most of my time looking at myself in the mirror talking about skincare. <laughs> no, I just, but in a good way. I think a lot of people put on a show, but I think you like really just like are yourself. I'm, I just like shoot the shit. Yeah. And that's what I love about you. And that's why I'm so honored you, I got to meet you and you are on this podcast. I think you're a true delight and I hope this was fun for you too. If I have I a podcast one day, will you come on it? Oh my God. Yeah. Do you know how many puns you could create with your name for a podcast? Okay, that's a that's a whole other topic. Um, current events. <laughs> I need I you to help me think. So pucker up challenge was so hard for me. I was impressed with your followers because I was like, oh, I I, I could nail this, and I couldn't. I couldn't pucker up out. challenge was so good. It was so good, and also you can for my really lipstick pull challenge. off a nude lip, and I and I can't. It, it's a nude lip's hard for um a pale person, but I've been really enjoying it because you're so right. I have so much stuff like, that you don't use. And why not? I'm just like never in the mood for it. But if I researched it, I'd probably be into Go it. Go use you know? it, girl. But anyway, no, Courtney, thank you so much for coming on. This was so much fun. And I hope we're like real life friends. Probably. We are. We're real life friends now. Can't wait. I'll be there in 10. <gasps> are you a be there in 10? <laughs> probably. Did I tell you my real housewives tagline? No. Sometimes. Mine's. You want to know mine? Yes, please. Big hair. Big personality. No, 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 no. I got it. I got it. So my tagline on my website is uh, big hair, big closet, and an even bigger personality. Oh, I love that. But mine on on Real Housewives would be big hair, big closet, but an even bigger bitch. (gasps) That's good. I just literally dropped the mic. (laughs) I know. I was going to say, that's so good. This booth. Things are getting rowdy. Corny Kerr. Love you. Mean it. All the best. See you soon. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at currently on Instagram. K-E-R-R, like my last name, K-E-R-R-E-N-T-L-Y, at currently on Instagram or www.currently.com. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I had a great time. Thanks to Innovative Med Spa for sponsoring this episode. I will tag them in my Instagrams. This is a little bit more lighthearted, more surface, more what the podcast typically is, just like conversations with influencers and pop culture, celeb gossip. I was just talking about the zeitgeist last week. We did a whole, I did a whole nostalgia thing where I was kind of talking about like sleepover culture and what it was like going to Blockbuster. And I don't even remember. I just like, I could muse nonstop about the good old days, but uh, I like to change it up now and again. So Yesterday was a little bit more serious of a uh, my two cents as it relates to what's going on in Alabama. It's called You Don't Own Me. It's like, I think, 15, 18 minutes. Just kind of my two cents if you're curious about where I stand. If you don't, you aren't interested and don't want anything political involved, don't listen to it. By design, I really am not here to make people mad. But for those that want to hear another side of the story or want to kind of lean farther into it and have a dialogue with me about what we can do. Please listen. Um, and yeah, as always, I'm so grateful you're here. It means the world to me. I know that the share of ears is tough to garner these days. Your, your attention is split between many places and it's never lost on me that you choose to spend it here. Please, please, please email me, you know, any questions, thoughts, concerns at podcast at be there in five.com F I V E now the number rate and review all that good stuff. Follow me on Instagram. And look out next week for a royal bonanza. It's going to be awesome. I'll probably 
pepper in like a kind of pop culture nostalgia what's going on mini sewed, but there's not like a ton going on in the pop cultural world. You know, there was like the Met Gala, but that's so like over covered and me is all we're going to get for weeks. It seems after today's Ellen interview that man, maybe I'll do it. There wasn't enough there for me. I, if, if you want kind of the day-to-day pop culture, follow me on Instagram. This podcast is kind of more themey, more overarching. What I'm trying to make more evergreen so that when people binge listen to the episodes, it's not old news, you know? So really looking forward to next week for the Meghan Markle deep dive. And until then, I hope you have an awesome week, an awesome weekend. Please come back. I love you so much. I'll talk to you soon. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. Never